0: My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. Okay, I'm you know, again, <laughs> we, we step one was click record and, and we did that. So on, on today's podcast, this is part two of the series that I'm in this April called For This Cause. And and the last podcast we talked about any any cause of man, anything that's not for the glory of God, for the name of Jesus, for the sake of Jesus, it may sound good, it may seem good, but if it's not for him, it, 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 he can't sustain it. And, you know, I talked about how he does personal things for us and healing and testimonies and things. When it gives him glory, he can get involved in it. And he gives us a testimony and a story that gives him glory. And it it, it, gives, it gives other people hope. <laughs> and it leads people to him. And this is the cause that Paul said, we don't faint for this cause. And that's what we're talking about in this series and this is part two and man listen oh man this this message today I, I have been sitting on this for a long time. I've been waiting to minister this for a long time. I've got so many notes I don't know what to do with <laughs> I've gotten so many things and I'm like, Lord, you're gonna have to help me to remember everything bring it to my remembrance because there's so many things in this I don't know how long this podcast is going to be it could be a couple hours I don't know but I'm telling you what if you have if you have, the, the courage to get in this with me. It's going to be kind of like watching Interstellar. You're going to have to commit to it, but we're going to go deep. <laughs> and I'm excited. I believe good things are going to come out of this podcast. And we're going to go deep. And so let me just say this in the beginning, just because of what I'm going to get into today. Um, those of you who know me, know me well enough to know um, my character, my values, um, you know, my beliefs, my stances about things. And uh, it's really hard sometimes to address certain issues without people assuming that you're biased on this side or that side. It's hard to get into certain things without people assuming things about you. I am going to endeavor to talk about some things without any bias, except the Word of God. I'm going to walk a tightrope today. <laughs> And my balancing stick is the Word of God. Not any agenda of man, not any preference of man, not any movement of man. It is going to be fully based on the Word and for the sake of the glory of the name of Jesus. That is my heart today. That's what my cause is. And so let me just say that in the beginning. And you know I heard I heard my spiritual father brother Keith Moore say some things that I'm going to get into today but he also said that if you if you never hear anything that you don't want to hear you don't grow. If a teacher, if a minister never tells you anything that you don't want to hear or that your flesh doesn't like, you're not growing up in him. And, and, and I think for the most part we've we've created these things where people just stand up and tell us what we want to hear over and over and over again. And we say amen and we run around the room and we blow our shofar. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I will say that your shofar will only get you so far because that's what my friend Elijah Merle says. And it's funny, but nothing wrong with that. I'm not against it, but it's easy to always hear the things that you want to hear. And you don't grow. If that's the case, God wants to deal with things in the church. And, you know, people have a lot of opinion and a lot of talk about God dealing with things in government. But can I tell you something? The first thing that Jesus dealt with when he came to the earth was the corruption in the temple. He didn't turn over the tables in Pontius Pilate's court. He turned them over in the temple. Why? Because that's where the problem was. Because the thing is, if the church gets its motives right, gets its cause right— the glory will manifest, and the glory makes change. I'm going to talk about some things today, about our nation, about the church, about politics, how they have influenced the church recently. And I'm not doing this from any form of bias, from this side or that side. I'm doing it unbiased from the Word of God. I have no motive, no agenda other than to preach the word and to give God the glory. That is my heart. That is my agenda in this. So anyway, this podcast is entitled His Kingdom, His Power, His Glory. That's what I want to talk about today. And like I said, I've got a lot of notes. So um, I'm going to start with this, Romans 14, 17. It says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what the kingdom of God is. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I I want to talk about what is the kingdom of God and what is not the kingdom of God. I want to talk about the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of man and the kingdoms of the earth. In um, Philippians 2, so it says, uh, But I trust, in verse 19, the Lord Jesus, to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your sake, your state, excuse me, why? For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. I'm going to say that again. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. Who is he talking about? All the world. Everybody, even people in the church, he's saying they're seeking their own. They're seeking their own thing. They're seeking their own agenda, not the things that are Jesus Christ's. And he said somebody who's faithful, who will care for your state, who will not do their own thing, they're few and far between. This reminds me of what Proverbs says, that a faithful man who can find Uh, Well, the answer to that is God (laughs) can't, but they're not common. People who are seeking God's things and not their own things are not common. And because of that, we have to realize how easy it is to get drawn away with the agendas of men who are talking good, saying good things, but what's at the core? What's the agenda? What's behind it? That's, that's the important thing. See, God looks at the heart of a thing. He looks at the heart. So, let's go to Acts chapter 1. And we'll start there. And I'm going to take my time here. <laughs> We've got a lot to get into. I'm going to drink some water. Oh, thank you, Lord. Acts chapter 1. This is when Jesus is about to ascend. And this is actually the last thing that we have recorded that Jesus said before his ascension. Now, he did have more to say in the book of Revelations that are very significant, too, and that we may get into if the Lord leads. But this is the last thing he said to his disciples. Let me go ahead and just say this. Um, What he said in this passage has not expired, and it hasn't changed. It's the same as it was in the beginning. It has not changed. And this is still... What, what the mission and the commission of the church is. In Mark 16, he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples of all men. And that is the Great Commission. Now, there's a lot involved in that, sure. But, you know, I heard one minister say this, the thing about the main thing is that you need to keep the main thing the main thing. And our mission, our commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and make disciples of many nations. Our mission is not to go into all the world and dominate governments. That's not our mission. That's not what Jesus told us to do. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and make disciples of nations. Make disciples in the nations. He did not tell us to overthrow governments and to dominate them. Acts chapter 1, it says that, When Jesus was speaking to them, uh, being seen of them 40 days, speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God, this is what Jesus is doing. He's speaking to them things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. Now, in the first podcast, we talked about how in order to get a manifestation of the glory, you have to wait on the Lord. Now, remember, Jesus is saying things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And he said, John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom of God? to Israel. What are they asking? They are wanting to know about earthly kingdom stuff. Jesus is speaking to them things pertaining to the kingdom of heaven. They're wanting to know about earthly kingdom. And notice what they said, will you restore again the kingdom to Israel? They're not referring to the future heavenly Jerusalem, they're not referring to what was going to happen eventually. They said again. In other words, let's go back. They wanted to make Israel great again. Now, does God love Israel? Yes. Has God made promises to Israel? Absolutely. Uh, Is there things that God has done since then for Israel? Yes, he will continue to do things for Israel. Now, some of that's above my pay grade, but I know enough to know that God is still sustaining Israel and protecting Israel. And there are promises to Israel specifically. That's a whole nother thing. But at this time, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to his disciples, believers, and they're wanting to know about that. And watch what he says. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power or his own authority. Now, what are they asking about? They're wanting to know, when are we going to get the power back? When are we going to get the authority on earth? They're wanting to know when they're going to get power on earth. That's what they're wanting to know about. When are we going to get back in control? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times and the dates that the Father has put in His own authority. So, He's talking about things that are in the Father's authority, not in their authority. You know, this is something that has been and will continue to be one of the greatest temptations of the devil is the allure and the desire for earthly power and earthly authority, earthly crowns. This desire for power is something that is one of the greatest temptations of man. We want control. We want power. We want the authority of earthly kingdoms. This is the thing that Satan tempted Jesus with, was earthly kingdoms, earthly dominion, earthly power. Now, listen, we are only 15 minutes into this. I know what you're thinking. Just hold on. Cool your jets if you're upset. Listen, I know there's a lot to unpack in this. I am not saying that we should not believe to have godly leaders in office. I am not saying that we should not believe to have Christians in political places. That's not what I'm saying. So let me just go ahead and squelch that real quick. If if you're tempted to think that. That's not what I'm saying. What I am talking about is how we go about it. And we're going to get into this more and more. But this desire, this covetousness for power, this covetousness for authority, this is something that Satan tempted Jesus with. It's something that he tempts men with. And and many people have the desire to do good. They say, oh, I want authority. We want authority. We want the power so that we can do good. But see, Satan is crafty. He knows if he can just get you to seek your own and not the things which are Jesus Christ's, He's got you. Why? Because God can't sustain that. He cannot be involved in that cause. Does God want people in leadership to honor Him and love Him? Absolutely. But how God does things is very, very important. And we'll see this more and more. But they want, they want to know, when are we going to get the power? But watch what Jesus says. You shall receive power... After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. What did he say? He said, you want power? You're going to get power to be witnesses. I'm going to give you authority to be witnesses. I'm going to give you power to be witnesses. Now, let me point this out to you. He said, you shall receive power. What is the implication? It has been given. It has been given. It has not been taken. This thing in man to fight for power, to fight for the position of authority, that is not how the kingdom of God operates, ever. This, I'm gonna fight for the throne, I'm going to fight for the crown. I'm going to stand and fight and claw to try and get power. That is the opposite of the kingdom. Now, notice what Jesus said here. He said, which the father has put in his own power. You know, this reminds me of the time that James and John and Zebedee, I'm sorry, Salome came to Jesus and she said, Grant to my sons that they may sit on your right hand and on your left. What is this? A desire for a position of power. And Jesus looked back at them and said, "Uh, do do you know what you're asking? (laughs) He said, are you able to drink the cup that I'm able to drink? See, a lot of people don't know what goes along with authority. A lot of people want positions of power. They want to be promoted. They want to be in the pulpit. They want to do this. They want to do that. But they don't have no idea the pressure that comes with that. And there are many times that people would say God I want to do this or I want to do that or I want to have this or I want to have that and God's like do you even know what you're asking me are you sure that you're able to handle that because it takes some maturity it takes some growth and some things to be able to handle certain things you have to grow in the grace of God and he asked James and John he said are you able and they said oh oh we're able he said well maybe <laughs> he said okay He said, well, you're going to drink of some things, that's for sure. He said, but to give, to sit on my right and left hand, it's not mine to give. He said, for me to do that, that's not in my authority to give. In other words, Jesus knew what was in his authority and what wasn't. And he said, I'm not going to try and reach up and take something that's not in my authority. What's Jesus doing here? He's revealing the nature of the kingdom. But you know what the Bible says later on? God gave him all authority and dominion. He gave it to him. Why was God able to give it to him? Because he wasn't trying to take it. And when he was tempted by the devil to take it, he resisted. He resisted. He said, you worship God only. You'll serve him only. And if it's not God's will for me to have that, then I don't want it. I'm not going to try to take it. I mentioned this in the first podcast, but there was a one time where people tried to make Jesus king by force. And Jesus hid himself. He wouldn't hear of it. Why? Because he's not going to be king for the agenda of man, for the will of the people. Uh-oh. Jesus said, I've come to do my father's will. And because of that, God was able to give him authority. And then what did Jesus say? I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Now I'm getting to some stuff here, but Jesus said, I'll give you power to be witnesses. What I feel like I've been seeing is people focusing more on fighting for power in earthly kingdoms at the cost of their witness. At the cost of the witness Jesus said I've given you power to be witnesses And yet Why are we trying to get power And at the expense of our witness There's more things I can get into here And I will as the podcast goes along I know it's already intense I know we're already getting deep And I'll explain more and more what I'm saying As we go along But let me just go ahead and say this in the beginning I am very thankful for my country. I honor and respect the flag. I honor the men and women who have died for the people of this country. I am thankful for it. I honor it, and I I stand for the anthem. (laughs) Don't get confused here about what I'm talking about. I love I love the people of America. I love what many of the things that America stands for. But I'm seeing people preach more Americanism than they are the gospel. And I'm seeing people mix in the agendas of man with the agenda of God and acting like they're the same thing, and they're not. I'm going to make a statement to you that I've heard my spiritual father make, Keith Moore, and I'm going to say it as well. God is not Republican god is not a democrat god is not american he's not god is god <laughs> again does god want to have a part in america absolutely does he want to sustain america yes does he want to be involved 100 percent. but what does it have to do with It has to do with what the church in America is doing. And you say, well, see, Ben, there's just so many of these these evil people and these idol worshipers in America. You know, God did not spend a lot of time in the New Testament rebuking the heathens for their idol worship. He rebuked Israel for its idol worship. Why? Because they were the people of God and they knew better. He rebuked Israel for worshiping idols, for being conformed. To the world. Why? Because he called Israel to be a light and a witness to the rest of the world. But Israel got carried away with idol worship. Israel did things like, said, Give us a king, when God said, I want to be your king. And God gave them a king, but that king got so obsessed with the crown that he never noticed when the anointing left him. And they said, Give us a king because they wanted somebody who would do their will. But the Bible says about David that he was a man after God's own heart who would do all of his will. Oh boy. Uh, There's a lot of directions I could go here. Man, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Let me take a look at my notes real quick. There's just a lot here. There's a lot here. Praise the Lord. I hope you're doing okay. I hope you still love me. Thank you, Jesus. He's called us to be witnesses. He's called us to be witnesses. Thank you, Lord. Um, you know, uh, there are a lot of movements out there. There are a lot of agendas out there that sound good. But listen, we have not been called to convert the world from Democrat to Republican. That is not what we've been called to do. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, Ben, you know, the Democrats stand for all these evil things and all these wrong things. And the Republicans stand up for things like, you know, being pro-life and, you know, preserving marriage and things of that nature. And I understand that. I get that. And I support those things very adamantly. But here's the problem. What we fail to realize is the subtlety of the devil because we have thought that the devil is Democrat and he is coming from the left (laughs) and our war is with the left when we have verses in Ephesians 6 that say we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and might and dominion so we have waged war on the left Not realizing that Satan is subtle and crafty and has snuck in right behind our nose, right under our nose, right behind our back. He has snuck in to what we have considered our righteousness, our rightness. The Bible says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his right, his His righteousness. But we have made it about our rights. Now, don't misunderstand me and don't get mad at me. I am thankful for the freedoms we have in America. You know, Galatians talked about being called to liberty, only use not your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. And the thing is, if we want to preserve our freedoms in America, we're going to have to do things God's way, not our way. And God has not changed God's commission has not changed. His commission to the body of Christ has not changed. I want to talk about this more as the podcast goes along, but we're going to look at Daniel and how Daniel changed laws. He changed the political climate of his time. We're going to look at how he did it. But there's a few more things I want to get into here. And uh, as as we go along here, I have a lot of notes and, man, I don't... (laughs) I'm just going to have to flow with the spirit here because there's just so much to get into. Uh, Notice this in John 18, verse 36, Jesus said to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from here. He said, my servants are not fighting Power. They're not fighting to save me or rescue me. Why? Because my kingdom is not of this world. He said, if it was of this world, they would fight. Now, this does not mean that my servants never join the military. This does not mean that they never fight an intruder coming into their home. This doesn't mean that we don't need to have secure borders. That's a whole other podcast. He said, they're not fighting for power. They're not fighting to be an authority because my kingdom is not of this world. And that's not how the kingdom operates. That's not how the kingdom operates. And I'm seeing a lot of people saying, well, we just need to stand. We need to fight. We need to fight, 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 fight. Yes, we are told to fight the good fight of faith. We are told to wage war <laughs> on the unseen forces of darkness. With the sword of the Spirit. But the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Now, I'll get into this a little bit more in a later podcast. That does not mean that we should never have guns. But the warfare of the Spirit is fought with weapons of the Spirit. And if we get distracted fighting flesh and blood, and that's what we're focused on, then nothing changes. Nothing changes. And Satan is having a field day because he's crafty, he's subtle, And he introduces causes that sound good, but they're fueled by man's agenda. And he knows if he can get people to seek self, he's got you. Because that's his territory. But you know, Satan uses four things to draw people into wrong agendas. And we're talking about it in some of the half podcasts that are coming out on Thursdays. But number one is pride. Number two is prejudice. Number three is preference and personality. Now, pride is something that I've heard people say, well, there's a godly pride. No, there's not. I'll say it emphatically. There is no such thing as godly pride. You can honor people. Honor is not the same as pride. Honor is of God. Honor is of the kingdom. The Bible tells us to honor all men, but it's not the same as pride. And I'll tell you this. God is not okay with American pride any more than he's okay with gay pride. He resists pride, period, wherever he finds it. And I'm seeing things creep into what a lot of people see as the right. And I'm saying this because I grew up in the right. I grew up in conservatism. I am a conservative. I stand for conservative values. That's why I'm addressing it. But Satan is crafty, and he sneaks in, and he brings things in, and he introduces things. Listen, Satan is not going to come to you with something he knows you're going to reject. He's not going to feed you something he knows you're not going to eat. Listen, if if somebody wanted to poison somebody, and they knew that they only eat healthy food, they're not going to poison a cupcake and leave it standing out. No, they're going to find the grade-A, FDA-approved organic... Stuff and poison that because they know that's what they'll eat Satan is crafty He is not going to feed you something The Bible says Satan comes as an angel of light Listen, Satan can play the Republican card Satan can pretend (laughs) to be on your side He'll do whatever it takes to get you away From the cause of seeking the glory of God Amen Now this is something I want to talk about um, let's see here, I, th- I believe it's in, uh, let me find the scripture here real quick. Give me one moment, please stand by. Um, where are you at? Here you are. Okay, so in uh, Matthew 17, I want to talk about this. This is interesting. I hope you're still doing okay. Matthew 17, um, and about verse uh, 1, it says, And after six days Jesus took Peter. James and John his brother, and brought them into a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his light was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with them. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you will, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he yet spoke, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You hear him. You hear him. Now, this is something I want to address. Um, Satan (laughs) is very crafty. And he knows how to talk and speak in a way that appeals to man's preferences and their prejudices. And you know, we're living in a time where if you live in a certain part of the country and you want to run for office, all you have to do is wear a cowboy hat and say things like God and country to get people to vote for you. Now, I want to address something about that God and country. The Lord gave me a phrase, and I'm going to say it to you. If you want God to sustain your country, you have to put God before your country. And what people have been doing is that they have been building one altar for Jesus and one altar for Lady Liberty and putting them on the same platform. Now, I'm not saying you've done this, listener. But this has been happening by and large. This has been happening in conservatism. We've been making an altar for God, and we've been making an altar for country. That's not okay. Putting that on the same level is not okay. It's not supposed to be God and country. It's God before country. Now, we should honor our country. We should honor the flag because of what it represents because of the people that it represents, because of the people that, who have given their lives, we should honor that. That's godly, to honor all men and honor people who have laid down their lives. But we don't put that on the same place as God. God always comes before. This is the cause that we're supposed to live for. God always comes before. And watch this. It says they were afraid and Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. And it says, When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Oh, come on. They saw no one but Jesus when they lifted up their eyes. In other words, they got their eyes off of men. They got their eyes off of people. They got their eyes off of Elijah and Moses, as godly of men as they were, and they saw Jesus only. This is what I'm talking about today. Who are your eyes on? Are your eyes on a particular person to get back into office and then everything's going to be okay? I am sorry. But if that is where your hope is, that is a form of idolatry. Anything that is not fully focused on Jesus as the source, as the Savior, Listen, that's a cause that God cannot sustain. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter what they say. God can't sustain that. If it's not for His glory, He can't get involved in that. He can't sustain that. And whenever we get our eyes on people too much, it hinders God's ability to use that person. This is true of our pastors. This is true of teachers. This is true of anything. When we get our eyes on people too much, if that person is spiritual and realizes it, Most of the time, they'll hide themselves for a season because they know I I can't, your eyes are on me too much. Get your eyes off me. Some of the most spiritual people I know are people that I've heard say this, don't look at me. I'm a man. Don't get your eyes on me. Focus on the Lord. And Jesus himself hid himself when people wanted to use him for their agenda, for their agenda. But it says that when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. And God said, no, you're not making equal tabernacles for God and Elijah and Moses, for Jesus and Elijah and Moses. He, he said, look at Jesus, hear Jesus, see Jesus. Listen, I have seen people do any, everything but build a shrine to politicians in the past couple of years. And God can't be involved in that. He cannot sustain that. It doesn't matter how good the agenda sounds. If there's even a little bit of idolatry in it or man's agenda, he has got to take his hands off. God has allowed nations to fall because of idolatry. Not because that was his will, not that that's what he wanted. And it wasn't just idolatry among the heathens. It was idolatry in his people. That's what he said. No, that's not okay. That's not okay. God deals with things in the church. He deals with things in his people first. That's what he corrects. Because if things are right in the church, the glory is going to manifest. If their cause is right, the glory is going to manifest. And that's what's going to change things. I want to get into this for a few minutes. And I'm going to quote some things, but uh, let's go over to uh, to John. And without reading all of these, um, I'm going to quote some of it just so you can you can study it out for yourself. But when Jesus was standing before Pontius Pilate, and um, they said, "Bring bring out Barabbas," Pilate said, "I'm going to give you." The option between Jesus or Barabbas and uh, they uh, the people who had before been rooting for Jesus said give us Barabbas why did they say give us Barabbas did you know that Barabbas first name was Jesus <laughs> some other translations bring that out but his, his first name was Jesus And from what I've studied. And Pilate said, who will I give to you? uh, Jesus or Barabbas? And they said, give us Barabbas. So they traded Jesus for Barabbas. Why? Because Barabbas was somebody who would do their will. I'm going to say that again. Barabbas was somebody who they believed would do their will. Barabbas was a murderer and a robber. That's what the Bible tells us about him. He was a zealot. He was a murderer. He was a robber. And Jesus did the will of the Father. And when they saw Jesus in custody to Rome and and (laughs) subject to Rome, they said, no, 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 that's not going to work. That's not going to serve our agenda. So they traded Jesus for Barabbas. And one translation brings out that his name was Jesus Jesus. Barabbas. And all we know about Barabbas is that he was a murderer and, watch this, a robber. And this is what I feel like the Lord said to me. Many people have traded the real Jesus for Barabbas, and it's robbed them of the glory. Many people have traded the real Jesus for their own version of Jesus who will conform to them and do their will, and it's robbed them of the glory. Now, like I said before, people talk about God and country and things of that nature, and people have made their own version of Jesus. I've seen, you know how like when you're a kid and you're playing with Batman action figures, how they have like different versions of Batman? I've seen that happening with Jesus. I'm seeing one version of Jesus and he's got a, a mask on and he's got a black lives matter t-shirt and he's, and he's got a rainbow flag that says LGBTQ on it. And uh, he's got an, I got my COVID vaccine sticker on and he's preaching social, social justice and, uh, and preserving the environment And, and their version of Jesus says that we should just accept all men and all lifestyles, and their version of Jesus criticizes people for driving hummers. It's their own personal Jesus, but it's not Jesus, it's Jesus Barabbas. And then there's another version of Jesus (laughs) that I've seen. And he's got an American flag draped around him. And he's got a Make America Great Again hat on and an AR-15 strapped on his back. And in his right hand, he has lower gas prices. And in his left hand, he's got Nancy Pelosi's laptop. (laughs) And he's preaching Americanism. That's another version of Jesus. And it's a version that people have created to fit their agenda and their will. Let let me read to you what the real Jesus looks like. Let's just look at what Jesus actually looks like. Revelation. Revelation, uh, chapter 1. And it says I turned to see, in verse twelve, the voice that spoke to me, and being turned I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool and as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire and his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shines in his strength. This is the same Jesus that was on the Mount of Transfiguration, and the Bible says that his face shone with the glory of God. Just like Moses, and we'll get into this in a minute, was in on Mount Sinai, and his face shone with the glory of God. Jesus, this is Jesus. This is the real Jesus. And he is marked by the glory. He is marked by the glory of God, not the agendas of man. And people have made their own version of Jesus, but you know what? It's Jesus Barabbas, and he's a robber, and he robs the church of the glory. And it's a form of idolatry. Thank you, Lord. There's a lot to get in here. <laughs> Back in Exodus, without reading all these, you know, if you have any doubt about what I'm, I'm saying, go read these passages for yourself. I promise you, I'm not misquoting the word or, or or twisting it to fit any agenda. I have no agenda except the glory of God. That is my only agenda. But when Moses was on Mount Sinai, with the glory, the Bible says that the people told Aaron, make us a God who will take us back to Egypt. Make us a God. And they worshiped this God, this false God, this golden calf. What was this? This was their own version of God. You know, in the Old Testament, in one place, it talked about how God said, You have said that I was such an one as yourself, but I will reprove you. They made their own version of God that, watch this, would do all their will. And they used the things of God, or they tried to to accomplish their agenda. And God said, "Uh uh-uh, that's not how it works. Not in my kingdom. In my kingdom, you don't get to use my power to take and seize and fight for power. It can only be given. That's what God did with Jesus. He gave him authority. He gave him power. He bestowed it upon him. He bestowed it upon him. He said, I've given you power to be witnesses in the earth, not to try and fight for earthly crowns. If God puts a godly person in leadership, praise God. But one of the biggest things that hurts the witness of the body of Christ is when we throw a temper tantrum when we don't get the power seat. He said, I've given you power to be witnesses. Now, we're going to get to more and more of this. Uh, This is going to be a long podcast. I may go another hour. If you're here for it, come on in. Jump on in with me. I'm going. I'm going for it. But Moses is up on the mountain, and these people are making their own version of God to do their will and to accomplish their agenda, to take us back rather than going forward into the promised land. And guess what was not there with them? The glory. Moses is up on the mountain with the glory, and they're down there with a false God doing their agenda. Now, this is the people of God we're talking about here, and God was not okay with it. And in fact, when Moses came down from the mountain, the Bible says he literally ground up that golden calf and made them drink it, he made them eat it. He said, oh, you, want, you think this is what's going to save you? You think this is what your source is? You think that this is the answer to all your problems? Well, okay, you can just get a belly full of it. And we'll see what a manifestation of a fake God does for you. But I'm going to draw a line. And if you want to get back to the real thing, if you want to stop the pretending, then come across this line and let me know who is going to serve me God has a will he has a plan for his kingdom it has freedom and justice and liberty and righteousness being established and done and evil being done away with and evil being brought to justice but listen if we're going to seek his kingdom we've got to do things his way we cannot adopt the ways of the nations around us and do things our way We have to do things His way. That's why Jesus was given all power and authority, because He did things God's way. And you know, if your cause is the glory of God and His mission, His kingdom, then you are willing to make great sacrifices. Excuse me if you heard that. You are willing to make great sacrifices for the sake of the kingdom. You are willing to make great sacrifices for the sake of the gospel. You are willing to make great sacrifices so that His kingdom purpose can be accomplished. You're not spending all your time fighting for my rights. You're spending your time seeking His will and the will of His kingdom. Now, here's something I need to get into. Um... Wanting a leader to do my will is not how the kingdom works. Uh Uh-oh. Now, don't misunderstand me. Let me go ahead and disclaimer this. I'm not in any way, shape, or form saying that it's good to have a dictator who oppresses his people. I'm not saying that people should not have a voice. I'm not saying any of that. This has nothing to do with man or political leaders. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. When it comes to the body of Christ, this we want our will to be done, this the will of the people idea. Now, I am not anti-Declaration of Independence. I am not anti-Constitution. I am thankful for both of those things. And there's a whole lot of context that goes into that. What I'm dealing with right now is the idea of Our will being done. Because the truth is, in the kingdom, it is not the will of the people. It's thy will be done, thy kingdom come, your will be done. And if the body of Christ is focusing on our will being done, the will of the people, then we're not focusing on the will of God being done. Because Jesus said, I'm here to do my Father's will, not my will, but thy will be done. And as long as we're focusing on our will, you understand that the Satanic Bible says, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law? Now, I am not saying that the Declaration of Independence is satanic. I'm not referring to the Declaration of Independence. I'm thankful for the Declaration of Independence. Don't misunderstand me. I'm qualifying that for a reason. But the mentality of believers, Christians, the church, focusing on our will being done is not of the kingdom of God. It's not how the kingdom of God operates. In heaven, God's will is done, and everybody's life revolves around doing the will of God day and night, His will, His way. His plan, not my will. Jesus resisted the sin of doing His will over the Father's will. And if we want God to be glorified in our nation, if we want God to be glorified in our country, we have got to come back to Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Not our will. That's not okay. That's not the kingdom of God. In every instance of the Bible of people pushing their own will, it was against God. Oh boy. God is looking for people who will do His will and be a witness for Him. That's the kingdom. That is what the kingdom is all about. Because it's His kingdom, His power, His glory. And if we want His glory to manifest in our nation, if we want His glory to manifest in our lives, we've got to abandon this our will be done mentality. And we've got to come back to thy will be done. That is the kingdom. That is His glory. That is His agenda. That is the cause that He can sustain and empower and manifest Himself in. He'll do it over and over and over again. Now, I was planning on reading a lot of Scripture, but for time's sake, I'm going to quote some things to you. And if you have any question about what I'm saying, go back and read these passages for yourself. Go back and read these things. Study them out. I promise you that I am not twisting Scriptures. I'm not cutting Scriptures in half to fit my agenda. I don't have an agenda. My agenda is the glory of God. That is my cause in this podcast, in these messages. And there's more I want to get into um, before I I go into the latter end of this thing. Let me let me go ahead and touch on this. Um, over in uh, the Gospels, let, let me pull it up here. Um, Peter, Peter and Jesus. <laughs> let me say this to you real quick. Luke seventeen twenty says. The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Um, Luke 11.20 says, but if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come unto you. I'm just reading you some scriptures about the kingdom. He said, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to stop Pilate's evil agenda. No, oh, no, that's not. He said to heal the sick. That was, that was the kingdom of God. Luke ten, eight through nine, he said, Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are, as are set before you, and heal the sick there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. Why? Because they're healing the sick, they're being a witness. Mark one fifteen says, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Thank you, Lord. Um, Acts 14, 21 through 22 says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying, We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. I talked more about that in the podcast, The Narrow Road. Now, um, we're going to get into this in just a second here um, about about Peter and Jesus. I know I'd mentioned it to you, and I'm I'm headed there, but I wanted to uh, say those things first. Matthew 16, here it is, 21. It says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you, But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. See, Peter doesn't like this talk of Jesus being killed. Why? Because that doesn't fit his agenda. Now, this is somebody who's close to Jesus, this is not somebody who's an enemy and on the other side. See, Jesus, excuse me, Satan loves to try and infiltrate the inner circle. He loves to try and get to the people that are supposed to be godly and put wrong agendas in their heart. And Satan is attacking and persecuting Jesus' identity as the Son of God. Why? Because Jesus knows that the Son of God must be delivered up, and he must be killed and rise the third day. And Satan is using Peter to undermine that. Now, here's the thing. Jesus was in a real listening mood with Peter at this time because God had just used Peter to say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So this shows that people can be listening to the Holy Spirit, they can love God and have good intentions, and yet if they're not guarding against the agendas of man, it can slip in and Satan with it. See, there's been all this focus on the left. Oh, we're waging war on the left, and we failed to see the subtlety of the enemy slipping right through the cracks in our own borders. This whole left-right paradigm thing, Democrat versus Republican. Listen, these are both things that men are in charge of and men have agendas and agendas change. And just because people say the right things does not mean that God is involved in every single agenda. There are things on the left that sound good. Black Lives Matter sounds good. Why? Because black lives do matter and racism is evil. But what's happened is that we have politicized these issues so much that nobody on the left will listen to any talk of abortion because they associate it with the political party and nobody will hear talk of racism because they associate that with the left. And I've heard ministers criticize other ministers for having a conversation with somebody about racism and say, oh, they just sold out. Maybe they were just walking in love. Now I'm kind of dipping into my next message a little bit here. But this this accusation, this division is not of God. It's an evidence of the rise of man's agenda and the infiltration it's had in the church. And And it hinders the glory. You can feel it. The strife hinders the glory. We've got to come back and align our focus. We've got to get our eyes off of people and look at Jesus again. And Jesus told him, get behind me. Now now here's the thing, Uh, Jesus was at the table with the disciples, and Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. So we see later in the garden that Peter, when they came to take Jesus, he drew his sword, And he slashed the ear of a soldier. He was ready to fight. He was ready to fight. And you remember what Jesus said to him. Peter, put down your sword. For he who lives by the sword shall die by the sword. Now I'm going to do a whole podcast in the future about this. There is a difference between living with the sword and living by the sword. But in this instance, Jesus told Peter to put it away. He said, don't fight. Don't fight. He said, he who lives by the sword shall die by the sword. And here's the thing. Peter thought he was ready to die for Jesus. He thought he was ready because he still thought that his agenda was the same as Jesus. He thought that Jesus is going to lead us in revolution against Rome. And we're going to overthrow the corrupt government. And we're going to take back the power. And when he realized that that was not the agenda of Jesus, Peter stumbled and fell in the space between his agenda and Jesus' agenda when he got a revelation of it. He stumbled. He was offended in the space between his agenda and Christ's agenda. And he said, I'm ready to go with you, Lord. Lord. Oh, I'm ready. Uh, I'm with you. And there was a lot of people who supported Jesus as long as he was, or at least they thought he was, working for them, their agenda, their will. But they were the things of men. And Jesus said, oh, you're going to fight for me? You're going to die with me? We'll see. (laughs) He said, Peter, you're going to deny me. Why? Why? Because Peter got a revelation that Jesus was surrendering himself rather than fighting. And that didn't line up with Peter's agenda. Now, thankfully, later on, Peter got it right. And he got his cause right. And he became a witness for Jesus. He became a witness for God. And he himself gave his life for the sake of the gospel. But back here at this time, Jesus is about to reveal what cause Peter's really living for. And it's revealed in the space between their reaction to things happening and their reaction to opposition. Peter's slashing ears and Jesus is healing ears. Peter is slashing ears, Jesus is healing ears. There's space between God's agenda and Peter's agenda. Jesus came to overthrow sin, not Rome. Rome was doing some wicked things. Rome was awful. Rome was taxing in an oppressive way. They were killing people. They did awful things. They were an awful government. And yet Jesus didn't come to overthrow them. He came to overthrow sin. His plan was much bigger than just overthrowing an earthly kingdom. And it's so easy for men to get caught up in just overthrowing an earthly kingdom, uh, getting power of an earthly kingdom. But uh, time and again, we see that is not what God is limited to. Thank you, Lord. Now, I am not saying that God has no interest in godly leadership. We'll read in a little bit about Daniel, how God promoted Daniel in Babylon. It's the way people get there. It's how it happens. That's the thing. How does it happen? How does God bring people there? How does God promote things? And here's the thing. You know, Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God because you've got to be willing to lay down some things to enter into the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean it's wrong for you to have them. Jesus said no man has left anything for my sake in the Gospels who won't receive a hundredfold. But in this instance, in this case, how do you respond when Jesus tells you to lay something down that you thought was your cause. <laughs> now, Jesus is not against Peter having a sword. And yet, in this instance, in this moment, he said, put it down, put it away. See, this will reveal how much your cause lines up with his cause in what you're willing to lay down for it and what you're willing to sacrifice for it when he says, lay it down, put it away. Are you willing to lay anything down for the sake of the kingdom? Paul was. People say, well, Paul, you know, he told them that he was a Roman citizen and that they didn't have a right to flog him. Yeah, he did that one time. But there are many, 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 many other times where Paul was beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, dealt unjustly with. for the sake of the kingdom and the gospel. And we are not called to just fight to establish our agenda and our kingdom. We're called to, at any cost, preach this gospel and be witnesses to all nations, seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His plan, His agenda, at any cost. And anything that would distract from that, we're not. We're not to get caught up in it. Again, Scripture. W- what does the word say about Jesus? His agenda. You can you can nip and tuck scriptures to try and fit man's agenda, but what does the scripture reveal about the kingdom of God? Again and again, not my will, your will be done. Now, in the in the uh, end of this podcast, and as I wrap this up, there's still a lot of things I, I could get into, and and you know. Maybe I will at a later time. But I want to talk a little bit about Daniel and how Daniel lived in the kingdom of Babylon. And uh, I think Daniel, going back to about Daniel 6, let me turn to it here. Um, We see the life of Daniel and how it represents really the body of Christ. And Babylon, you know, is the world. They were the world power at that time at that time and Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they were carried away into captivity and they're in this strange kingdom. And, uh, well, about Daniel six, um, actually going back even to when Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego first got there, first showed up and, you know, they're in a strange place. Um, there is pressure on them to compromise. And notice how Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego approached this situation. They entreated those over them. And they said, hey, we are asking you to give us a trial. And if if at the end of this trial, when we have eaten the food that we believe we should eat and not the food that you've given us because we don't want to violate our our." commitment to our God at the end of that see the difference and so what happened is they agreed to this and at the end of this trial Daniel and Shadrach Meshach and Abednego were stronger and healthier than all of the other servants they stood out they stood apart so what's happening here uh, they're being a witness oh come on do you see this they're a witness They're being a witness for God. And they were allowed to continue to do that, even in this ungodly kingdom, because they were a witness. And another time, there was an ungodly evil law passed that said you can't pray to anybody but the king. And Daniel knew from the beginning he couldn't obey that law. He couldn't follow that. There was no way. So he continued to pray. He continued to seek the face of God, even though he knew this law had been passed. But you know what Daniel didn't do? He didn't fight when they came to get him and take him to the lion's den. He didn't demand his rights. He didn't demand this and demand that. He's like, okay. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to disobey God. I'm, I'm not going to stop praying. But he understood the consequences. You know, Jesus said that we were going to get persecuted that they would deliver some of us up and kill some of us and put some of us in prison. Now, let me ask you a question. Are we told to fight persecution? No. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. And God's not the one doing the persecuting. But he said it would happen. And Daniel was persecuted by these people who were jealous of him and his position. And God gave him this position of authority. I said God gave it to him. Did Daniel fight for it? Did he campaign for it? No, God gave it to him because he was a witness. He gave it to him because he was excellent. He was a witness for God, and it was given to him. He didn't take it. He didn't fight for it. But let's see what happens here. Daniel is thrown in the lion's den. And the next day, the lions hadn't touched him. Why? Because the glory of God was in there with him, sustaining him. And what happened right after that? The king said, we're passing a new law that says nobody shall speak against the God of Daniel. He affected political climate by being a witness He affected political climate by honoring God and being excellent and refusing to compromise, but not by fighting for it. He actually had a spirit of humility and meekness. Did you know the Bible did not say that the aggressive shall inherit the earth? It said the meek will inherit the earth. Jesus said, come and learn of me for I am meek and lowly of heart. And you will find rest for your souls." So Daniel affected the political climate of his time by being a witness. And you see the same thing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar commanded them to fall down and worship him. What what, what do we see in that? That's the same thing Satan tried to do with Jesus. Excuse me dropping my Bible there. That's what Satan tried to do with Jesus. If you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus said no. I won't. I won't commit idolatry. I won't worship a man. Let me tell you this. There's a difference between submitting to a man and worshiping him. There's a difference between submission and worship. You can submit to a man in the natural, but it doesn't mean you worship them. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, King, we're not going to worship you. And he said, well, we're going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And they said, okay, throw us in the fiery furnace. God will deliver us. And guess what happened? The king, watch this, saw God in them when they were in the fire. And because of that, it was a witness to the king. And the king passed a law again. Nobody's going to speak against the God. Of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They affected the political climate of their time not by fighting, not by being aggressive, not by criticizing and doing this and doing that, by being a witness. Jesus said, I've given you power to be a witness. And guess what? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were promoted. They were given place because they were a witness. This is is how the kingdom operates. This is how God operates. Not by rebellion, not by this, this, we're going to fight and take it and overthrow. No, that's actually the nature of the devil. That's what the devil tried to do in heaven. That's the nature of the devil. And Satan is just baiting Christians into ruining their witness by trying to seize, trying to take trying to do this and trying to do that. And I'm not, you know, trying to refer to January six when I'm saying some of these things. I know that there were some things that probably went on there that were set up. (laughs) There were probably things in some of the black lives matter things that were set up. I understand that. I know what Antifa is. I get it. But let me ask you this. Is it possible that the enemy baited some people into being there that day to make them look bad? Satan knows what he's doing. Satan is a, he baits people. He, he, he tries to allure people into something that seems good. What if all the Christians in that crowd had got up that morning and the Holy Spirit said, don't go, don't be there today. Would Satan have had anything with which to accuse no. Satan is crafty. He's deceitful. He knows what he's doing. There are sometimes God would say, don't even be there. Don't, don't go to that. Don't be a part of that. It's a trap. It's a setup. It's, he's baiting you into ruining your witness. Now, there's some th- things I'm going to get into in the next podcast about this. I'm um, going to know I'm already going pretty long here, but Satan is crafty. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego affected the political climate of their time. They were promoted. Because they were a witness for God. They revealed God to the king. That is what we're called to do. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. There's more I want to get into here. I'm just I'm checking my heart because I want to go the right direction with it. I want to make sure I don't I don't leave anything unsaid that needs to be said. Um, you know, I've just I've seen some things that have bothered me, and I've seen how what I perceive as the agendas of man trying to infiltrate the church and take the place of the Great Commission. It's all about the glory. It's about his kingdom, his glory. He has called us to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. I'm almost done here. I just want to check my heart and make sure. Make sure that I'm I'm going the right direction. Thank you, Lord. I know some of these things are not <laughs> you know the the popular opinion about everything i get that i understand that but if we don't get ourselves aligned and focused on the right things it leaves the door open for the enemy and it leaves it open to to hurt the witness of the body of christ let me read this to you in 1st corinthians 15:20 20 through 24 it says but now christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are Christ's at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father and puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power. Uh, There's probably more I could say, but I think I'll end it right here. Let me me end it with saying this. There's coming a time when every earthly kingdom will be done away with. Every earthly nation will be done away with. And yes, we are called to steward the nation that God has put us in. But listen, the Bible says we are citizens of heaven and we are ambassadors for Christ. That means we are supposed to represent heaven in our nation. We are not Americans first. If you live in America, we are citizens of heaven first, and we are called to represent the kingdom. We are called to represent our nation, our real citizenship. And that means anything that doesn't mirror and reflect the kingdom of God, we can't be a part of, no matter where it is, no matter what it is. If it's godly, if it's right, I am for it. If it's a part of God's agenda, if it's a part of the agenda of the kingdom, praise God, I'm in that. I'm for it. Let's stand for it. Let's support it. But we've still got to do things God's way. And if it does not reflect the kingdom of God, I have to withdraw from it because God withdraws from it. God is not going to sanction something that misrepresents him. He's not going to sanction a movement or an agenda that misrepresents him. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. Or what it is, if we want God to manifest Himself in our nation, in our political climate, whatever the case is, we have got to get back to His kingdom, His agenda, His glory. And we have to surrender to that. That has to be our full focus. Yes, we're called to steward our country and and to manifest Him in our country. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. That's what Daniel did. But how did they do it? Not by fighting for it by doing exactly what Jesus told us to do, being witnesses for the kingdom, seeking the kingdom, kingdom kingdom-minded. He brought it all back to the kingdom. He said, if my kingdom was of this world, my disciples would fight, but it's not of this world. Again, that does not mean that there aren't Christians who join the military who are police officers, there's a whole another podcast I'm going to do in the future to get into the question, was Jesus a pacifist? Oh man, that's going to be a good one. That's for another day. But suffice it to say, if you want his glory sustaining you, if you want his glory manifested, you have to seek his will, his kingdom, his glory. Don't make your own version of God. Don't make your own version of Jesus. Worship the one true God. Worship the Jesus and say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done in everything. And listen, can you go wrong doing that? If you, if you didn't agree with some things I said in this podcast, that's okay. But bring it back to this. Would you agree that the best way to approach your life is to say, not my will, but your will be done? Well, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm preaching today is just bringing it back to that. Not my will. Your will be done, Lord Jesus. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And if there were some things you you feel like you don't totally agree with, okay. But let's come into agreement about this. His kingdom, His will be done. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Let's be witnesses of Jesus. That means we reproduce what He did. That means we act how He acted. We are ambassadors for Christ, and we represent the kingdom. So let's represent Him well. Praise God. Amen. I believe that's the end of this podcast. I'll leave you right there. This has been the No Content Podcast. We're in a series called For This Cause, and we're talking about the cause of the glory of God. And uh, there's more to come. There's some more good things that we're going to get into. The next episode is going to be called The Repairer of the Breach. And I want to talk about unity in the body of Christ and how that opens the door for the manifestation of the glory of God. Until then, thank you for listening today. I'll talk to you the next time you click play. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you, He loves everyone else, and please don't forget to feed the ducks.